0: If you guys will just remain standing for the reading of the word. We're going to be reading from Psalm 90 this morning. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, wherever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You return man to dust and say, Return, return, O children of man, for a thousand years in your sight are but a yesterday when it is past, or as a watch in the night. You sweep them away as with a flood, they are like a dream. The grass it is renewed in the morning, in the morning it flourishes and is renewed, in the evening it fades and withers. For we are brought to an end by your anger, for your wrath we are dismayed. and your wrath according to the fear of you. So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Return, O Lord, how long? Have pity on your servants. Satify, satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love that we may rejoice and be glad in all our days. Make us glad as, for as many days as you have afflicted us, And for as many years as we have seen evil, let your work be shown to your servants and your glorious power to their children. Let the flavor of the Lord, our God, be upon us and establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. This is the word of the Lord.
1: If you would bow with me. Father, we thank you for your word for... The wisdom in it. We thank you for the Psalms. We know that they are um, part of the wisdom literature to help us grow in ways that we need to grow and to develop in in areas that we need to develop. And so we pray, Lord, today that we would leave here with um, hearts of wisdom. I pray for those who may have a tendency just to not pay attention. I pray that you would bring their minds and hearts to attention and to consider uh, the wonderful things that you have for us. In Christ's name, amen. Some of you have heard of the song Live Like You Were Dying by Tim McGraw, maybe. I don't know. If you haven't, it might be worth listening to. Um, It's interesting, though. There's this man in the psalm, I mean, sorry, in the song. Wait, we are talking about the Psalms, not this song, right? No, I'm just kidding. There's this man um, who uh, basically gets bad news about his health and is facing his mortality. And um, in the chorus of that song, or whatever that's called, he said, I went skydiving, Rocky Mountain climbing. I went 2.7 seconds on a bull named Fu Manchu. Y'all heard that? Maybe you remember that? Okay. Anyway, um, at the end of that, he kind of says that I loved deeper, I spoke sweeter, and I gave forgiveness that I'd been denying. So I think the end of that was better than maybe the beginning, because I don't think it's just go to your bucket list, you know. But Moses is going to help you face this morning the fact that you will die. And he is going to take you before the Lord and allow you to see why you will die, and then where you should put your hope in light of that and so that's what we're going to be looking at today and um i think you you want to to say to yourself yeah when we have those thoughts of our mortality we we don't want to go directly to what are the things i always wished i had done in this life but instead to be driven to the lord to see and to consider him and the place that you're in so Uh, Hopefully that will be helpful for you. This morning you are going to see God's wrath and God's mercy. If you've read the Bible a lot or been at this church, we've talked about it regularly, where we have the promises and the warnings of Scripture and how they help you uh, move forward through life. And so as we get started, I want to look at some stuff before we kind of get into the meat of the text. I just want you to see, this is a prayer of Moses, the man of God. And so it's interesting because you're thinking like, why is Moses at this point in the Psalms, like you might think, why is this placed here? And hopefully, you know, I can explain it to you a little. If you remember, um, Moses had, uh, with the people, there was a time when um, he went up on a mountain for 40 days and 40 nights. When he comes down, they kind of thought he had left and wasn't, maybe coming back at all, you know, maybe he was killed in the presence of God's glory or you know, he just didn't exist anymore. Whatever they may have thought, uh, they kind of went off the rails and um, he comes down, he hears all this calamity and he thought, oh, there's a war down there. And when he comes down, it was like, no, there's no war. It was kind of like they had been in idolatrous worship with the calf and then they kind of got up and were in a place of probably uh, practicing some kind of immorality it was a wild party and so that's kind of where he was that's what he was faced with and the Lord responds saying like I'm done with these people they're stiff necked they're hard-hearted I can't deal with them anymore and um, I'm, I'm just going to consume them and start over with you and so Moses is sitting there and some of you might say well that would be a good idea you know but if you read about, like, Noah, where there was a start over, you understand, you know, that's uh, not necessarily what would work. But also, um, what you see is Moses stands in the gap for those people as a mediator. And he stands there, and he says, Lord, don't you know your your glory, your name, your renown, is going to be questioned by the nations if you don't stay with these people and keep them to the end. And so, for your name's sake, just... Uh, please Lord, uh, hold fast to what you promised, remember they are your people, and move forward. And you see that mediator kind of relationship which reminds us of Jesus standing between us, where we're sinful people, there's a holy God, and he stands in our place. And so we're going to see an aspect of that. Now, you also want to think about in this psalm, as we've just concluded with Psalm 89 and you kind of feel like this, this the covenant with david's on shaky ground and in this psalm It seems like the covenant with abraham's on shaky ground because the people are so wicked and they're so Sinful and yet in the midst of this you see this mediator saying turn lord Relent keep your people in spite of them Hold on to them in spite of them is kind of the way that you would say and so this psalmist is he's starting book three just as you're thinking about it, we're concluding with this, uh, the first two Psalms, you talk about David a lot, I mean, sorry, the first two books in the Psalms, you talk about David, that concludes, and then 73 through 89, you go through the period of like, the, the, the monarchy seems like it's on shaky ground, and now the, the, the people have been taken into exile, and then when you get to Psalm uh, 90, it, it feels like we're in this place where they're in exile, And Moses' prayer comes as a way of saying, you are sinful, you're under the judgment of God, but God is merciful. So that's a lot to think about, but it's helpful. It will help you kind of think about the flow of Israel's history and the Psalter, and you put those things together and hopefully you can see it. Now, What are we reading about, though? You're saying like, okay, where does this come down to life? I think the heart of this is where it says, teach us to number our days. I think that's at the heart of what we're getting at. Teach us to number our days, to consider. To consider the life we have. It is short, consider how you're going to live. Think about the way in which you will live. And so, uh, Psalm 90, verse 1 and 2, it starts with, The fact that God, the eternal God, is our home, that's what verse 1 and 2 talk about. It's speaking of the eternality of God. He is an eternal God. And so verse 1 says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Uh, It's a reminder, not only to them, but to God, like, you know, that's where it's always been. People come and go, but you've always been a dwelling place for your people. Before the mountains were brought forth or even you had formed the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. And so if you were to read the Bible, you're sitting there reading it, you'll see a lot of times where somebody like Abraham, he's moving around and he really doesn't have this settled home, but God keeps meeting with him. You think about the children of Israel and that 40 years of wandering, but his cloud's still there. God's presence is there. That's something you say, God, you've always been, the eternal God has always been our home. You could think about Joseph, and it says, you, you remember that in Psalm 37, the Lord was with him. I mean, it's a beautiful thing. And he's reminding you and the people that are hearing this song in this time, if this is right in the history of the nation, when you're in exile, the Lord is there. He said, you've always been a home to your people, whether there was a structure or not, you were there. Maybe you're in that place right now, where you say, "I feel like I have no home." Our home has changed. The children are gone. A spouse has passed. Whatever it might be, he's saying, "God has always dwelt with His people, even when their lives seem like they're just in total shambles." It is a remind, He's reminding God, but also reminding the ones that would sing this song. From eternity past to eternity future, you are God. God, you are the constant. Although men come and go, you are the constant. Now, here's the deal you're trying to learn to number your days. You start with God is this eternal home. God's the one, He's the constant in everything. But man's life, that's your life too, my life, your life, it passes quickly. It's here today, gone tomorrow. We don't really know how long we have here. And so you remember if you go back to Genesis and you go to the very beginning, you understand when they ate from the tree, mankind falls under the curse, under God's wrath. They are separated from life with Him. They're outside of the presence of God. They are in the era of death. That's just the reality. Verse 3 says, You return man to dust and say, Return, O children of man, for a thousand years in your sight, are but as yesterday when it has passed, or as a watch in the night. Now, I never really thought about this way, but I was uh, reading something this week, and the guy was saying, you know, that he may be, since he's just been talking about us being dust, moving on to chapter 5, where you have this, uh, the ages of people and how long they lived when they were close to Eden, you know, as you go further out. This, the lifespan is shorter. But it's almost like even if your life was a 1,000 years, in light of the eternal God, you don't live here very long. That's just, you know. All of us, when you get really frustrated with whatever, all you are frustrated with something right now. Let's be honest. Every one of you, something's not going your way. But in light of eternity, in light of eternity, your life that you think is so big right now, in a blink, it's going to be gone. And the only thing that really matters is that you will be standing in the presence of God, accepted. I mean, that's really, that's the greatest longing that should be in your heart. And so, um, as you're seeing that, I think it's important to notice that and keep this in your mind. Verse 5 and 6, you sweep them away as with a flood, they are like a dream, like Grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes and is renewed. In the evening it fades and withers. Now, what's he talking about? He's talking about your life. He's saying it's almost like a dream. You ever woke up in the morning and you're trying to remember the dream that you had? And it's just a faint memory? And you might be able to come up with a few little statements. But if you were in the midst of it, if you could remember just a little bit of it, you'd be like, good night, I lived a whole lifetime in my dream. But now, you know, it's just like a short. That's kind of how life is. It is like, and what he's saying is, it's like grass that is renewed in the morning. Boy, right now you understand that. I mean, some of you probably, you think, my grass ain't ever going to be renewed. You know, It's, it's dead, but... Generally speaking, under ordinary conditions, you wake up in the morning and be like, Look at look at the grass. It's so happy. And then the sun comes and beats it down, and you wake up, you know, and say, Ooh, goodness. That's kind of what he's saying your life is like. So, man's life is going to pass quickly. That's kind of the idea. He's saying, number your days. God is eternal. You're temporal. Number your days. That's kind of what he's saying. Now. Why, this is a question naturally, why does God forever and we are so temporary on this earth? Why is that? Like I said, temporary on this earth. We have eternal souls, but on this earth there's temporary. There's an expiration date. Why is that? Um, Because of God's wrath. That's kind of the picture here. For we are brought to an end by your anger. By your wrath we are dismayed. It just reminds you, you know, from Genesis 3 on, people don't live forever. And some of you may think, well, they all come here, though, and they could, have, they could live forever. It's like, no. After Genesis 3, after the fall of man, because of your association with Adam, because you're a son of Adam, you are going to die. That's just the reality. And it is because you're under the wrath of God for, I mean, his sin is translated or transmitted over the human race. Romans 5.12 speaks of that. By one man's sin, all are sinners. But also, your nature is such that you will sin. And your choices are such that you will sin. So I think it's just important to understand God, you're under God's wrath and curse because of your sin. Now, in the, this context, he may be speaking of like, hey, you're outside of the land because of your sin, which was a reality too. But we just kind of have to understand if you're to study sin in general, all those things are true. Now, verse 8. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins, in the light of your presence. Now, it gets real personal here. Because what he's saying is, and y'all all have sin. You have sin that other people may not know about, but it exists. And God's, when the when the light of the glorious truths about God come to bear you like Isaiah will say woe is me a sinner Uh, like nobody can really see the holiness of God and say oh look at that wonderful light I'm clean I'm good no way saying that because you understand that there are these dark sins that God's presence his light shines on those things and you can see clearly um, I don't know if you've ever like kind of uh, used some kind of light where you, you might have pointed in a room, you thought, oh, that's good, this is clean, this is orderly, and then you kind of put light on it, and you're like, hold on just a second, that's a mess. That's what God's presence brings to you. For all our days pass away under your wrath, we bring our years to the end like a sigh. So it's kind of, that, that's kind of the picture here, when you're seeing that, he's saying... Look, God is eternal, man is temporary, why is he temporary? Because of sin. That, that's, that's the picture that you see. The years of our life, verse 10, are 70 or even by reason of strength 80, yet their, their span is but toil and trouble, they are soon gone and will fly away. So it's almost like you might get seven decades, you might get eight decades, And you might, under the circumstances today, get more than that. But the reality is, there's going to be a lot of toil and trouble, and eventually, you're gone. You know, you're out. Your time is up. Verse 11. Who considers the power of your anger and your wrath according to the fear of you? The reality is, is one of the most helpful things that you can understand is that God is holy and you are sinful. That, that's, that's something you got to get up every morning and instead of saying hi to your mirror, I'm Mr. Wonderful, you might say, I am a sinner in need of God's mercy. You know, that, that might be the most helpful thing because you could say, but for God's grace in Christ, I am under His wrath and completely damned. That, that might be a helpful thing for you to say, well, that wouldn't start the day good. Well, it might start the day humbling you and having you cry out for mercy, which could be really good for us all. Right? No sinner has ever escaped death because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So, we need to number our days. We know that God is eternal. We know that life passes by quickly. We know why life passes by quickly. Because of God's wrath. Then, We get to that verse 12 where it's teach us to number our days. What is the response? That's what it says. So, so, in light of these truths, teach us to number our days. And that doesn't mean you get a little calendar out and you're like, I think I might get 70 years, 70 times 365 or X. I'm at 40 years in. I'm going to check this off every day. And I'm counting the days of my life. And if God gives me a little more, I'll get 10 more years added on, 3,650 days added on. That's not the idea. What is the idea? He is saying, in light of this, may you gain a heart of wisdom. May this change the way that you live. May you live before the face of God. May you not run through the warning signs that trespasses. When you trespass into territory that's not what God intended, may you instead read the sign. Don't pass through here. That's kind of like teach us to to walk in wisdom. Teach us to be present with our kids. Teach us to Love our extended family. Teach us to love our spouse in the right way. Teach us to understand what that means. It's clear in Scripture. Lord, may I cultivate a heart for you is the idea here. We should number our days because they're going to pass so fast. It would be foolish for you to live in sin and do nothing for Christ and His kingdom. Teach us not to be like the world and listen to the world's message and let that story play out in our lives. That, that's kind of what he is saying. Now, you stop here and stop for just a moment and say, as a Christian reading this, which I think is what's going to happen in the rest of this, this psalm, he's going to talk about like God's mercy showing up. So as we read this as a Christian, we know, just like Moses is interceding, On behalf of this people, Jesus is our intercessor. We say God is eternal, and he's holy. Man is sinful and temporary. And we need to live in light of that, which drives us to Jesus to save us, right? He's the great intercessor. We're putting our trust that that he kind of... We have this debt that we've accrued, in his wealth, his perfection... Paid the debt. That's, that's one thing we see. He intercedes in that way. We know that um, He achieved the holy, righteous standards that we could never achieve. And his, our guilt was placed on Him. That's a huge thing to understand. That's the reason why this psalm can change directions and He can cry out and pray for God to extend mercy in the fullest extent. Moses may not have known exactly how this would all play out. He certainly probably didn't, but he knew there had to be a way for things to be right. He understood the promises. He knew that there was a king that would come and rescue and save. And so only Jesus is able to save us, to rescue us, to stand in our place, to be the mediator between God and man. We all need to reaffirm in our minds. We need to let him, in in our minds, we understand that he liberates us from the power of darkness, he pays our debt, and he is our great substitute. All those things need to be told to us. So, we say God is eternal and he's holy. Man's life passes quickly. The reason it passes quickly is because mankind is under God's wrath. So, in light of that, we first part, Live in light of that. Change the way you're living. Be be, walk in a different way. Teach us to kind of walk in wisdom, Lord. We want to not say when it says like don't trespass. We need to be like I don't want to go that way. And it says this is the road to life. I do want to go that way. Even if everybody around me's not, even if I think well they're not, I don't have to. No, I want to walk in the ways of the Lord now. The other thing is, I think the second part of this prayer is a series of kind of short prayers. Is let's look at verse 13. There's five kind of brief prayer statements. Return, O Lord, how long? Have pity on your servants. He's saying, restore us. When they went into the land, you know, the kings kind of like fell and everything's crushed and they're drug over into... Uh, Babylon and they're there over in that place it was like they were entering death Ezekiel speaks of it as like the bones need to come back to life it it, it speaks of it as like you need to be brought from death to life you're, you're under God's wrath and curse you've experienced this death you need to be brought to life that's kind of the way Ezekiel will talk about it verse 14 satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love that we may rejoice and be glad all of our days. What's he saying? He's like, God, remember that covenant love? We know what it's like to be under your heavy hand. And you and I could say, we know what it's like to be under God's wrath and curse. And yet, the gospel came in and we heard it and it quickened us, it brought us to life. We were dead in our trespasses and sins and he brought us to life. And so, he is saying, help us experience that. The wise live in such a way that they testify to everyone that the only thing that will satisfy your soul, the only thing that will bring joy and, and happiness to your soul is the steadfast love of the Lord in the Lord Jesus Christ that is demonstrated in His work on our behalf. The third part to this kind of prayer or little statement is, make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us and for as many years as we have seen evil. So there's this prayer of bring restoration. Life is, our lives are in shambles. Everything is broken. Our sins are heavy and, 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 and unbelievably weighty. And like, you, well, the scripture speaks of like, you know, the, like restore what the locusts have eaten. I think that's in a temporary sense, sometimes we're praying that. And I think also in an eternal sense, we're praying that. God, we've known what it's like to be under your wrath and curse. We've known the sorrow. We've known the brokenness. Lord, restore it. That's why the early church would say, Maranatha, our Lord comes. Because when He comes, restoration comes with Him. When He comes, sorrow and death and, and darkness and, and sadness and depression and anxiety. When He comes, everything's made right. Everything. And so, I think it's important to understand that. This Christianity tells us that God is going to answer this prayer. And not just answer it for 70 years of goodness, but 70 years is not even in comparison to what He's going to do for us. He, etern- he promises an eternal home with Him. Part four to this prayer. Let your work be shown to your servants and your glorious power to their children. One author said this is singular. It is singular, work. Not your works, but let your work. What is God's work? If you're to say, hmm, God's responsibility what 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 does he say what does he tell us what is the ultimate thing in the whole bible what's it about it is about redemption let the fullness of redemption show up let all of your enemies be addressed let the head of the serpent be crushed Let the blessings of Abraham go throughout the whole earth. Let all the things that you promised. Let the Davidic throne be be held by someone who will hold it forever. Let, Let that be true. Let that come to pass. Let your work be shown to your servants and your glorious power to their children. Let all the promises, all the things we're waiting for, All the stuff where we say, well, we know Jesus has already come, but, like, I want the not yet of that. I want the fullness of that is the idea. Fifth prayer statement. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. It's almost like saying, Lord, you are eternal, and we are eternal. We want to be with you, and we want to, the work that we do here to matter. ten thousand years from now, I want to be reminded that I want to know the work that I did I did to the glory of God, it mattered It's kind of the idea we, we've been reading through as a family Ephesians chapter two uh, lately we've been in two ten, uh, we just finished up at two eight through ten and Verse 10 says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God's prepared beforehand that we would walk in them. So it's like, it's, it's a way of saying, while I'm on this earth, let the things that I'm doing have eternal consequence. And let me see those and be reminded of them. It's, it's something of 1 Corinthians 15 where it says, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain. So, we, where, where do we start here? We started and said, You know what? God's holy, He's eternal. Man is temporal. Why is He temporal? Because of His sin. That's why He's temporal. That's why he's in the state that he is in. So, teach us to number our days that we might have a heart of wisdom. We only have a short period of time here. Lord, let us flee from evil and run after the things that would be pleasing to you. May you restore us from our sinfulness and make us a people that are living for your glory and your glory alone. Micah 6.8 says, He has told you, O oh man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God? As, I would add, we hope in the great mediator who stands between us as our substitute. As we look forward to the king's return, as we look forward to the day when our faith will be sight. And everything will be made right. Let us hold fast to the end and live a life that would bring glory to His name. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your Word. We ask for You to give us wisdom that we would number our days, that we would know that You see everything. You see the things that I have done You see the things that I've thought this week. You see the acts that I've done. All all those things. You see the way in which I have spoken to my family. You see every aspect of me. You see the things that nobody else sees. Lord, I pray that I would keep that in mind as I live. I also pray that we would keep in mind That there is a promise of a steadfast love that endures forever for all who are in Christ. A covenant love. A love that will never fail. May we hold fast to that. And understand that you are a God of wrath and a God of mercy. And both of those things come to a head in in the gospel. When on the cross, Jesus took our place. And his perfect righteousness is given to us. We praise you for that. In Christ's name, amen.